so. Are you curious? Welcome to the Curiosity Codex. I am your ardent enthusiast, Kyle Olson. Even though this show is young, I was already starting to feel constrained by the format. So I took a step back and decided to focus less on trying to fit my topics into the structure I built. Instead, I would let the topic tell me how I should approach it. We all know Hollywood is not always the place for new, fresh ideas. They want what's worked in the past, and it saves them the time and energy of explaining what something is if you already know the name attached to it. We've seen sequels, remakes, homages, but lately there's been something different emerging. There's a trend in modern filmmakers looking back on classic movies from the 80s and 90s and making loving, almost reverential sequels to them. They're not just cashing in on a brand with a high Q rating, but treating these movies as sacred texts. Their movies are about praising what came before while also trying to add their own words to the lore. So this chapter of the Codex is entitled... Weaponized Nostalgia. I knew I didn't have the perspective to approach this on my own, so instead of a lecture, I needed to have a conversation. And joining me for this discussion are podcast impresario, Pete Wright. Uh, also running for Grand uh, Poobah of the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. It, I, <laughs> announced here live. Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> like, we got a hot scoop. This is amazing. Uh, and also joining us, my good luck charm, Mr. Rob Cabasco. Oh, I wish I were pocketable, but I'm not. <laughs> I mean, that would be better. You could just, if you put a screw in me on one end with a loop, then you could attach me to things, but it would be That's tough to drive. a very big screw. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, oh I have a few Hey-o. things I can say. I'm going to pass I on just, all of them. I just show you the door, <laughs> yes. Rob. You have to walk through it. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, what we're talking about basically is is all these, like, and we, were, we were discussing before we even started recording about there's not really a name for what this is yet. So, uh, requel, the midquel, like uh, the, the redo, all these kind of things. Um, but I, I kind of think of uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife and Matrix Resurrections being on the opposite ends of this spectrum, where it's sort of like, one is sort of reverential to the source material, and the other one is not, but in a very different kind of way. <laughs> so let's let's okay, Kyle, start. Rule, rule set first. What are the sure. what are your rules around spoilers? Are we? Oh yeah, we're, we're talking we're full we're on. We're, we're going to talk okay. about everything here. So right. if you've not seen it, it, all of these movies, essentially, uh, expect that there will be some spoilers in here. So yes, we're going right. to we'll, every everything is available and on the table, and and, and that includes any movies we just that happens to come up in your in your thoughts as we're discussing these things. Yes. So, uh, you know, we're, this is a as nerdy as we want to be. Um, okay, so let's start talking. Let's talk about originally about uh, Ghostbusters. Okay, so. What uh, for both of you? I guess uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start with that. What was your exposure originally to Ghostbusters, and what are your feelings about it now as you've you've approached it? Because we're all about the same age, so we all I think experienced Ghostbusters at about the same time. So Pete, we'll start with you. Okay, uh, big fan of uh, Ghostbusters. Loved the first movie very much. Saw it uh, in the theater. Come from a family of of uh, mom and dad that love movies, and so. You know, I'm I'm the kid who would my dad would come in and say, "Hey, um, 
there's a new Star Trek uh, that's releasing today or a new James Bond. Are you feeling sick today? You might have a fever. And like <gasps> wow. we would take take off school to go see opening day movies. And so that's that. So Ghostbusters, it, it was absolutely an opening night movie. We were already big fans, certainly of of um, uh, of the cast. And um, mm-hmm. so you know, I I am an enthusiastic supporter of Ghostbusters. Uh, I also loved Ghostbusters too. I think uh, the Rick Moranis character is. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, is fantastic and, and funny. I think uh, that the uh, why for you uh, that character. Well, I can't remember who played him, but he went on to be on Ally McBeal for a number of years. I love. Oh him. yeah, Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol, of course. Peter McNichol's yeah. addition to this show was was fantastic. So I I feel like it it was fine, uh, not as good as the first, and the mm-hmm. rest have been kind of in that zone. Uh, any other dips into Ghostbusters? I never really followed any of the animated stuff. Um, oh, okay. And so that that was, I, I just didn't go that far. So I, I, leading into the, the final one, the reason I saw it, knowing that I already had a middling to fair relationship with everything since two, uh, the reason I saw it was because of Reitman and because oh. I I saw that trailer and I thought this is this is going to be interesting filmmaking. And I am thrilled to say I was right about that. I was an, I mean, it was an exuberant theater going experience. I thought it was yeah. just straight up beautiful, just practice of the art of film. Um, and. I'm curious how you guys weigh in on the the last act. Uh, mm, it, yeah. it becomes like I, I love the new cast. I love the the kids. I love the uh, the exploration of the tools and technology. I didn't feel like any of that was overwrought at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we meet the uh, original Ghostbusters and Ghost Egon. Yeah, and I'm middling to fair on that. Yeah, that, I, I want to get to that point. Yeah. Right? I'm trying to establish right. a baseline for where we're at with our with our Ghostbusters fans before we sort of really get into a movie that was kind of aimed at us oh, specifically. Yeah. Like we're like we're dead center for the demographic, which is what I'm so fascinated by. All right, so Rob, what is your what is your uh, Ghostbusters oh. history? And are you afraid of any ghosts? No, uh, no. All of my encounters have been uh, sublime, so I am good. Uh, that's another story for another day. Uh, but uh, except for that time in Jamaica, but uh, again, another story, another day. Uh, okay. So 84, I'm uh seventh grade, like middling seventh grade, right? I'm, I am, uh, post my star Wars fascination because I don't think it seemed cool at that point, just the year after Jedi comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I went, I remember all four of us, my mother, my father, my brother, John, we go to see the, the movie already was a big fan of Bill Murray. I had known of the movie Stripes, but I knew it was not a movie that I could oh, see right. right yet, but I knew of it. And I know my dad and I watched the ABC television presentation mm-hmm. of it multiple times, right? Uh, so kind of had a, a fascination to this. All I can remember from that movie, I, I can literally remember coming out of the theater and going, I just saw a movie that was amazing. I love this. I want to be a Ghostbuster. Hmm. I laughed. I thought it was incredible. I just saw a movie with my parents where dickless was said. <laughs> A blowjob was implied <laughs> and let's say semi-rough nudity with, with Gozer, right? In that, like, like I remember my mother talking on the phone, like, after we saw it. And she's explaining it, I think, to her sister. And, like, there, the movie is very funny. I laughed very much. But yeah, there is a little bit of nudity that is implied. And I always stuck with me, like, for, like, for <laughs> middle-aged parents at that time. They're like, this is pretty funny. Yeah, 80s, right? Just give it that mm-hmm. blanket. I was so into it that I remember personally drawing the logo 
And I got it so perfect that I got my dad to go when he went to work to photocopy it so I could put it on the book covers of my seventh grade textbooks. Wow. And I will just say that it, and it was all of us, like all my friends, we were all Ghostbusters. That was it. When Stranger Things kind of touches on this, that's real. If you lived it at that age, that fascination, that absolute from zero to a hundred, this is a thing that I'm going to adore. That was real. Ghostbusters 2, I'm in high school now. This is like my, I think it's my senior year. 89 is Ghostbusters 2? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, five years, like five years later. Um, I was amused by it. I all just remember thinking the, the Statue of Liberty mm-hmm. really kind of soured my seriousness of it, but I loved everything else about it. And then, yeah, always was fascinated with, you know, I never really got into, like what Pete just said, never really got into the uh, animated stuff, but I thought the characters, the fact that there were action figures, because that was the only yeah. toys yeah. that had come out. So That's that right. was amazing because they didn't do anything for the original movie in the either first two movies in the 80s. Um, that was cool. Uh, listen, I had high hopes. I was, was very positive about the reboot and didn't that did not work. There are a few things <laughs> in it that works. A lot of things yeah. did not. One moment in it works, right, for me. Uh, and then this, I am ready. I was just ready to embrace for two points. I'm ready to embrace a a reverential treatment of this because, like I said, for those of you who grew up with it, this was something you can't treat all these reboots or rehashes or whatever the word is we're going to come up with. You can't treat them all the same because they're not all the same source thing. No, exactly. Ghostbusters is something else. One movie spawns more love and affection from cosplaying to models to, to everything, music, it hit everything that you cannot underestimate what that happened in the year of 1984 that hit on all the stuff. We all listened to Ghostbusters, the soundtrack all mm-hmm. the time. Yes. I had that on cassette tape. I yep. loved it. It, it, I wore the tape out. So, I mean, it, there is a, there is a, a reverential treatment to this. And as we are all of the, approaching our middle ages, hmm. li- here's the deal. My dad always says this, his, his generation had model trains. Our generation has pop culture in a way that no other generations had it before. Yes. We are now at the age of we want all the rememberies. We have a little bit of disposable income to 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 <laughs> feed the urges to react and connect to those rememberies. And so I was ready. And and then here's the second part. My, and my second point is then you also had the whole other second issue with Afterlife, which is mm-hmm. how do you deal with Harold Ramis? Yes. And what do you do with that? And what do you do? to be reverential in a way that probably Harold Ramis is an incredible talent, incredible loss to entertainment. But like we are treating this, we are putting Ghostbusters on a pedestal that it probably does not belong on. Yes. But that's okay. It's us. Fine. We do the things we want. I, I cannot tell you guys, Ghostbusters Afterlife is the only movie that I saw more than twice last year. Is that number three times? A four, actually four Four times. times. Wow. Okay. So that right. says something. Um, no, t- uh, actually, uh, three times in the theater, okay. and then my fourth time is. Uh, oh, yeah, no, no, good, yeah. good, yeah. Um, I say I've only seen it the once. So, so I mean, I'm all in. It is maybe the greatest example I think of really speaking to us and what we love and what we want. And yes, mm-hmm. those things that we love and we want, they're way beyond the actual facts of what what that 1984 movie represents. <laughs> Yeah. It's grown to something much bigger than that. There, I've said enough. I, I love it. I love to hear what you guys think. So yeah, so Ghostbusters. For same thing for me, uh, it, it, it hit 
not only me, but like the, the entire, my entire fan friends, all that kind of stuff. It was like, it was a generational earthquake where that's what all anyone wanted to talk about. It was like, have you seen it? When are we going back? You know, can, can we go to the mall again? Can we do this? I'm, I think I'm slightly younger than you two. So I actually really got into the cartoon. So like I was a big fan of real Ghostbusters and I watched every episode. I couldn't even watch Filmation's Ghostbusters with the talking monkey and the flying car. That, oh no, dear. No, no, okay. Well, I'm aware yes. of it. Wow. We're a, weird, we're a weird licensing uh, of uh, <laughs> thing. That, that's why it's the real Ghostbusters because it turns out they had the rights to, to name their movie that, but they didn't because they had taken it from another, uh, another wow. movie, but they didn't have the rights to do it for anywhere else. Um, so, uh, and so yeah, then the same thing, the sequel came out and it was like, okay, yeah, I mean, it has some moments, you know, uh, and it's nice to see all four guys together. And like you said, you know, Lewis Tully actually getting something to do. Uh, that was that was really nice to do. And then, yeah, then uh, it was things that it never went away. Like it, it sort of the, the cartoon ended and the, and the movies were done and they weren't they the guys were still around, but they were not making any Ghostbusters movies. But it was one of those things that just kept going on like it, it stayed in the public consciousness there was always the same joke he slimed me and like all this is, is just sunk into the dna and so then when they decided to do i mean obviously the video game came out and the video game was actually great because it was really the last time that all those guys got to portray the ghostbusters together uh written by the people performed by all of the main actors um it, i say if you're not a video gamer uh, if you go on to YouTube, they, people have actually compiled all the cinematics together along with stuff. You can so you can watch like a a brand new, essentially four hour Ghostbusters movie written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, starring all four of those guys plus a bunch of other uh, vo- voice cameos that are really fun to do. And um, I don't remember. I don't remember my like I played through the entire game, and I yeah. my sense memory of it is I loved it. I don't remember how the gameplay holds up, but I had a it, yeah, great the time. Gameplay's a little rough because it, but it's the Xbox 360 era, so yep. it's a lot of like collecting collectibles which really have no you know and a lot of uh sort of shaking mechanics <laughs> there's a lot of, like they, when they get to the slime tether and you have to like connect ghosts yes. to things and slam them against each other i it's yeah it can, it can get really really frustrating and I, I they just re-released it uh sort of when they thought ghost versus afterlife was going to be coming out a couple of years ago uh and it, it it holds up all right like but it's it's a, it, yeah. the the gameplay part of it is the part that has not aged extremely well uh but the cinematics look great and it's just nice to be you play the fifth ghostbuster so it's really interesting to be running along and you're not vankman you're not winston they're with you so like they're they're talking to you uh, your character so you get to hear a lot of them just sort of like nice job rookie because your your character's name is rookie and yeah uh, you know so you actually get to hear them and you can you know hear egon complimenting you and it's like oh as a 10 year old boy (laughs) this is my dream (laughs) wait vankman's giving me like (laughs) advice this is great i'm doing great Um, yeah, so then, yeah, so then uh, it sort of was quite for a while, and then they decided they, to do the reboot. And yeah, so we can talk a little bit about the reboot thing because the idea was fine. Let's take funny people and put them in the same situation and see what happens. And then that's when you find out how bizarre Ghostbusters the movie really was because you can have the same formula and it doesn't work. And it, it's like, and I don't really know why. Like, I don't hate that movie like a lot of people do. I, I bought it. I own it. I've watched uh, every version that, that has come out of it. The, I guess the main thing is it's not funny. Right. So, like, they right. did a good job in terms of the special effects and, like, that kind of stuff. But, it like, I just watched it and I'm like, why? Like, you know, as opposed, I know that not every scene in Ghostbusters is fantastic. But the even even the uh, 
the psychic scene, you know, like where he's like doing all this stuff to, you know, like showing all the symbols and that kind of stuff. It still is a pretty funny scene, but like, if I have to hear her talk about wontons one more time, like, <laughs> but I mean, it, but, and it, it, this is my personal taste. Like, I just don't like that. Let's turn the camera on and let funny people walk around in the scene and be funny, and then we'll just cut it all together. Right? Because I, I usually find that like, there's a lot of stuff you could just chop right out of this, and no one would care. Uh, but yeah, like, what, yeah. what? We don't need to get big into the. But what were your thoughts on the on the well, uh, Ghostbusters? I, I, answer the call. This is the 2016. Yes. And I, I love Paul Feig. I think Paul Feig is, is, is fantastic. It's just, uh, you know, sometimes the chemistry doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you're right. It's that turn on the camera and put funny people in these uniforms and we yeah. just have expectations of hilarity. And I think the problem is, and, and why I think this ties directly into a conversation with Reitman's Ghostbusters, is yeah. that there, ha- there was no anchor for me into the nostalgia that was Ghostbusters. And yeah. the, the Reitman answer to that is focus on the kids. Because when I see Ghostbuster, you made a comment uh, uh, earlier about how this film is targeted at us. and Mm -hmm. But it's not at us now. It's at our internal head clock of us when we were in the seventh grade watching this movie. And for me, I am those kids, right? I am those kids discovering Ghostbusters for the first time, just like they are, finding the traps and and playing chess with a ghost. And that's who I'm connected to. And that's what made that movie special when it's compared to the rehash of Ghostbusters, just making it and thinking that it's enough to put funny people in the uniforms again. There was right. no anchor to, to you know, anything else. And it is, there's a lot of it that is funny, but it just doesn't feel like, a, the, like you know, it, it wasn't my Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Is that, is that because the anchor should have been the universe that that 84 and 89 exist in like I, oh so so yeah, theoretically if this if this crew was set in 20 what you said 20 2016 right. like in chicago it's in it's later on but it's like they had heard about what happened in new york and so they started their own group in there but they're still like the ghostbusters are around somewhere but they're the next sort of like the newest crew would you have had a you think it would have done better you know what's Rob? funny about that? I'm sorry, Rob. Go ahead, but you just you just as you are apt to do, sir. You fix things that are wrong, and <laughs> I think you just made Ghostbusters the story of going from one Ghostbusters unit in New York to a franchise, and that's yeah. funny. Well, yeah, and you know it's funny. Paul Feig has talked about that's where he was going with it. Like he wanted to go, like yeah. let's go international. What's I mean? All we've ever seen are ghosts in New York. What are ghosts in L.A. like? What are ghosts in, in you know in Paris like? <laughs> that would be really funny. Well, you know what I think is sad is and and uh, you know look here's the thing about the 2016 Ghostbusters is take away all the venom that that was going on around about this. I, I enjoyed the special effects. <laughs> Please are, don't bring venom into this. Right? Oh no, wait, no, wait, I, I yeah, see what you exactly. mean. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, the special effects are amazing. I I, I will yeah, say this: yeah. there was a moment when we saw it in the theater when um. Who's Jimmy Fallon's uh, sidekick? Uh, Oh, Higgins. Higgins, where where they're having the conversation with him in his dean's office. Mm -hmm. My daughter and I, we we laughed our asses off. Like, we just found that funny. And I know that mileage will vary. I understand that. Sure. But I'm going to tell you, that scene where Kate McKinnon does the whole Holtzman and the theme kicks in in a way you've never heard it used. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's it. He got it. He he nailed exactly what that movie should have been. Unfortunately, just for that only in single moment in the entire movie, in my opinion. 
And that's unfortunate. <laughs> but here's the part that gets me is when you see now, when you, when you look at Afterlife, mm-hmm. they could have been so close. Oh, yes. Dan Aykroyd's character could have been the same character. And he's he's driving a cab to make up for the rent for his occult shop. Yeah. Eddie, Ernie Hudson could have, that's his job. He went off and, oh, of course he got into the funeral business. Of course he mm-hmm. did, right? Like, Bill Murray easily could have gone back to doing his crazy cable show that he did. That's right. right. Yeah, we saw that. We saw that in Ghostbusters 2. He could easily translate that into, you know, whatever YouTube celebrity. It's missing. And Pete is totally right that the failure of that movie is it misses the anchor because, I mean, Kate McKinnon is amazing. She is is amazing. incredible in that movie. That oh, these are all four incredible. of them are some of the funniest human beings that Absolutely. are working yes. right now. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt. But it's missing, but it is. It's missing the anchor. And I think what was most disappointing to me about that movie, especially then seeing them do it correctly, you could have been so close. You could have kept it within the universe. You would have had the anchor of all that nostalgia. And you would have, and you could have done the same thing. We're like, oh, people forgot. Yeah, because ghosts, ghosts stopped. So everyone had to go off and do their things. But interestingly, they're still in jobs that are still connected in some way with stuff. You could have done all that and you wouldn't have taken anything away from, from the, from the women in those roles and how mm-hmm. that all works. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a misfire. I mean, that's all it's yeah. uh, however in the, in the creative DNA of things and how, you know, movies beget movies. I don't think you get Thor Ragnarok without Ghostbusters answer the call because it showed oh. us a Chris Hemsworth. We had never seen before. Oh, that's, that's true. A, that's a, a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I yeah. think I think uh, Kate McKinnon is, is we, we are being deprived of some fantastic character work she could be doing in movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, but she has, she has a steady job and that's fine. But I think seeing him in that way, I think even Taika Waititi would like see that and go, oh, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Okay. But do you see then? Okay. Well, no. And I, and I think, and he, and he's another bright spot of the movie outside yeah. of everyone else too i mean i get that it goes to it really speaks though like so what didn't resonate with me about that movie is the connection to what i saw was a universe i wanted to be i wanted to spend more time in yes i don't want to just see dan Aykroyd show up i want him to be the character i want to know what happens i want to see how that that all works in um it's and again this speaks to i don't know ghostbusters is a unique lightning in a bottle moment for pop culture mm-hmm. in that I don't I don't know if you I mean you know, the automobile I mean whenever all of yeah. us look back and we think <laughs> of the great cars I have all my little playmo- playmobile collection and what do I have yeah there's the back to the future yeah there's the 18 van yeah there's the mystery machine but you know what the number one the number one always is, is the ecto one ecto one yeah. it just hit everything and and even that like there's another great example like you don't need, I don't need to see a late 80s Cadillac hearse with a stupid, huge <laughs> yellow siren on it. That's not the Ectomobile, right? Like, right. Mm, no, that they're just not tapping into the vein of what, what the blood that flows into our memories of what that was. That's, yeah. I don't know. So, so then we have Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman, uh, who directed the original one, who, had I think not only did he have the same experience as us seeing the screen, but he actually got to be on set, walking yeah. around, yeah. <laughs> playing around with this stuff, like sitting in the in the seat of Ecto One, all these things. Like so, his his fans on a different level too, and is then he then takes on the task of how do you bring back Ghostbusters? How do you make it? To the, and so what he does is make almost a wholly reverential film 
where the original movie, which you know, I would say, like when you mentioned Stripes, is is a great example. It is much more similar to Stripes and movies of the, and, and 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 Stir Crazy oh, and yeah. like movies of that era. This sort of it's a kind of a down and dirty SNL screwball comedy, comedy it's a screwball with, with comedy. really with fantastic special effects. Yes. Like, I mean, but, at the, but, but, you know, when they were making it, they were just thinking like, oh yeah, when I'm done with this, I'm going to go, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go, you know, to do, do whatever the next, in their filmography, yeah. whatever next wanted. They were not thinking in terms of franchise. I mean, like nobody was at the time, but this was, they were never meant to be a four quadrant film that hit all the bases that, that, that even children would love. I think they, they sort of were just like, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was good. Okay. What's, what's next? What are we doing now? Like mm-hmm. they, they were sort of moving on and even they come back together, the same crew, everyone to, to make it again, and can't do it again. Yeah. So, so then we, so then we flash forward to now, and then Jason Reitman says, "Okay, how how do I approach this?" And he sees a first film as in the same way that J.J. Abrams looks at A New Hope when he when it's time to make Force Awakens as a holy document, as a this is sacred, this is precious. I don't want to do it. So that every time something is introduced in Ghostbusters Afterlife, it is treated with awe, like like yeah. the first. Oh, it's a ghost trap. It's Ecto One. It's a, whereas it was those were just the tools. You know, the, these are just like the regular stuff. Now after nostalgia, but even the Ghostbusters themselves would not treat any of this stuff with any of this kind of reverence. To be like, oh, they're just using that old junk, really? Like me, because <laughs> they were blue collar guys dealing with it. So it's a weird tonal thing where it's a it's a complex broken family Midwestern drama through three fourths of it, and then like Pete was mentioning earlier on, then it takes this turn and becomes. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. incredible Ghostbusters movie for the last like half hour. And it was like, but, but that's not the story you were telling. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, you, what you started with was uh, Jason was making ET and close encounters. Like oh, the, yeah. the yeah. film work very, in, in this very movie, Spielbergian, very Spielberg. This was, if any, yeah. it's as a, much an homage to Ghostbusters 84 as it is to Spielberg. Like he's, this is him unleashing all the depth of field tools he can possibly unleash, right? Yes. And yes. Uh, and that was really special. That was really special. And I feel like part of the criticism that I've read about the movie is that the pacing up front mm-hmm. is confusing for a Ghostbusters movie. Like it's yes. not enough of a it's ghost. not funny. For me, it is. There's very little ghosts. Yeah, it's very little ghosts. But it's a hundred percent what I what I loved about that part of the movie. Like I was so into that relationship, into the kids, into the struggles, like uh, uh, between the the mom kind of understand her kids at this point, and yeah. and and her financial struggles, and the fact that they moved into to Egon's house, and that that reveal was paced very very well, even though. You saw it coming from, you know, their first drive up the driveway. That's all right. It felt good because they had my heart from jump, right? They had my heart from jump. So I was already into it. Now. So so you were like the the family drama thing, like really resonated with you. Like you were really Uh, into that part of the story. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And because it was different, right? It, It wasn't just another movie they were trying something they they tried to swing big and i think True. largely they did it, it, you know i think that where for me where the the real debate comes in is did they go too far yeah. at the end be bringing in the old crew in uniform with the proton packs for yeah. me 
was a bridge too far. I think letting the kids win the day would have been enough. It would have been enough for me to see the phone call with Aykroyd. Uh, it mm-hmm. would have been enough. It just, those hints would have been enough for me to let the story be the story about the kids that we started with. I think it was a little bit of a betrayal to the first two thirds of the movie <laughs> to do kind of to, to bring in this. And, and I didn't, I absolutely did not need to see Harold Ramis. Oh, wow. I did. Okay. I, I wish okay. more than anything that they would have left him as the, the chess playing specter in the house as like the spirit of the house and not let me see him. Let it okay. be, let the, it, it, you're going to bring the Ghostbusters in, let them be reverential about the fact that he's not there. Yeah. You know, that would have been special. Okay. So, so I know Rob, you're chomping at the bit because you yeah, want to talk know, about I this stuff. I can feel it. So, Got to look at him. Take me, start, start me from like what your feelings are about, about the family drama that is most of the movie and then lead up to, you know, like how you felt about, about, uh, Egon as um, deadbeat dad. I have to say, uh, Pete, you ignorant slut. Listen, <laughs> I just want to say <laughs> that. No, I, I, all I kept saying to my head is, I, I got it. Don't, don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. No, look, here's something surprising. When I've watched it now multiple times, that whole first two, thir- those first two acts, right? And mm-hmm. I know people say, oh, it's slow or, you know, it's a totally different kind of movie. Hold on a second. The whole opening of the movie is mm-hmm. this action sequence that I think is brilliantly done. That is, it sucked me so in when you realized it's Egon yeah. and they do it a masterful visual way of, no, you can't totally see him. It's yeah. it's him. But that totally sucks me in. When, when that started, sorry, I, I know you, sure. I, you hold on to your point. When that started, I had the same feeling I had when I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when we got to the Manson killing, because I was like, are they oh, really doing yeah, this? Really and doing the hair on my arms went up. I'm like, oh yeah. God. And then, and then the same thing where it's like, once I saw what they were doing and like, you saw the pe- any traps and all this kind of stuff, I was like, oh, and like this, this wave of relief when I'm like, oh, they didn't screw that up. Ooh, like, cause that, yeah. that so easily could have derailed well, everything but, right at the start. But okay, but, but then I'm shocked. So here's the moment I'm shocked at in the beginning of the movie is you see him die. Yes. Never in a million years would I have thought, one, if you had told me you were going to do that, I would have been like, oh, God, please don't, because you're going to screw it up. Yeah. They don't. I think it's masterfully done, right? But here's the thing. When people suck, it's slow. That happens. Whew, right? You start to see the ghost, the interactions with with uh, with Phoebe and him mm-hmm. and the ghost and stuff. Before that, she finds then the stuff, and then you got the, the, the summer school stuff, and they have the, the trap. And they've released the, the 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 one demon dog, and then boom, she's with podcast, and they're trying out the po- <laughs> proton pack, and then they have the whole thing with Muncher, and there's the chase, and then there's the Walmart scene. It's not slow, like I would totally disagree. The first two thirds of the movie, it is a fairly well, it is it is a great storytelling of a family drama mm-hmm. with, with some comedy. There is a ton of action, way more than you think. And the reason why I'm going to say this is I thought it was slow the first time I saw it. And the second time I saw it, I went, oh, wow, this was not. I think I got so there are certain movies I think that we have when you are a movie going person who Mm -hmm. really is trying to, you know, I used to do Pixar movies. I didn't know how I felt about a Pixar movie the first time I saw it because I took so much in the first time I saw it that I had to see it again just to kind of get my arms around it. 
That's yeah. how this movie was to me. So the, it, I don't see it as being a slow movie. It's not a, it's, there is a ton of action and a ton of great, scary, methodical, ghostbustery uh, scares in the first two thirds. So I, and that's just my opinion, but uh, you know, that, that's, I, I will, I will definitely not agree with, with, with in terms of the pacing. Now, the twist to the movie, here's the deal of the, of the final act. You can't, I, I only wanted to see one thing. I only wanted to see one thing. And what I got was way beyond what I wanted. What I wanted to see was one final time when that sequence happens where the four of them are in profile mm-hmm. or the three of them and yeah. it, and the, and the frame expands out and there's Egon. I needed to see that. I actually needed to see that. And once again, I will say this, could they have screwed it up? Yes. yes. If they had made him talk, it would have been a disaster. I agree. If, if it, they tried to do the loop if thing, if they like would they have done anything, no, 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 and and you know what? This is one of the few times that you could actually resurrect someone, a living person, in that because the spiritual effects, it is perfect. They did it perfectly. That is absolutely. That is not necessarily what Harold Ramis may have looked like had he been alive today for the movie, <laughs> but it's what he would have wanted to look like. Yeah. That is, and his kids have said that. That yeah. is exactly how he would have wanted to be seen. And I think it provided me, it gave, it my heart soared. I have no qualms telling people the first time I saw it, that hand comes around and grabs mm-hmm. her, and it doesn't take away from the kids. The kids, the kids, just they're up against something. They're way out of their space. They're 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 out of their space of where they what they need to know to do what they have to do. He's just there to steady her hand. That's what I loved about it. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't them taking it over. He's there to steady your hand so that she can do the job. And then, yeah, they all have moments where they all come in and create this, 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 what is the finale of the movie? I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's perfect. I don't know if it could have been done any better. It is to me the greatest spirit scene ever. Prior to this, it was Goblet of Fire. That scene to oh, me is, is always the yeah. scene in, in all seven movies of Harry Potter. Yeah. That is the scene that to me, represents the entire Harry Potter story. It is so well done. And he is in that graveyard. He's mm-hmm. scared. He's facing the guy that caused all of his anger, hatred, and suffering. He is ready to take him on. He's scared. He doesn't think he can. He witnessed a guy just get killed. And the two people that he has been wanting to see this whole time are now speaking with him and interacting with him. And this moment of, I can do this because you've been with me the whole time. And I didn't even know it. There's a whole mm-hmm. world that I didn't even realize existed. This is goes beyond that because again, and I love the fact that that they have the conversation earlier in the movie where Phoebe's like, "Yeah, I don't believe in ghosts," mm-hmm. and now she's face to face with not just the grand. It's not about the grandfather she didn't know. It's face to face with the grandfather who represents why she is the way she is, and that yeah. she can finally yeah. connect with her family and she can be fully embrace fully who she is and be joyful about that and do the things she's supposed to do in the world. And then the whole, the rest, the resolution, it is a great story about sometimes the people act the ways and they do in their life. It isn't because of the reasons we know, because we can't see them. I found that to be incredibly compelling. I thought it was an incredible tribute to Harold Ramis. I thought it was beautiful how Bill Murray, again, little nuance here. If you know this history about Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, Mm -hmm. I love, he gets the funny joke at the beginning. Oh, I thought you'd show up. But then there is no other comment. It's him just nodding. I get it. Cool. 
I'm glad we made everything right before you were gone. It's perfection. I don't know. Uh, I was lucky enough to see it yeah. in theaters, which I know yeah. you guys were too. Uh, and I can tell you that I got to see it on the on the Wednesday before it came out, which is not a brag. Is 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 I'm saying because there was no, we didn't know anything at that point. Like we sort of had seen a preview, right. but we did not know about Ghost Egon or any of that kind of stuff. And the feeling in that small, because it was a sneak preview essentially, packed theater was love. I mean, like when that moment happened, everyone cheered. So, like, I have seen, I like, I, I remember I'm seeing uh, like Batman v Superman, and the first time you like see, you know, Batman v Superman, and it was just like, and it was a packed theater opening night, and it was like, huh? not like, not just crickets. I mean, just like there's people just like, hmm, okay, like it's the yeah. whole movie. Everybody was just like, yeah, all right. Sure. But what about Martha? Yeah. Then did everyone go? As much as people say now, at the time it was like. Huh? Like that. <laughs> but in that moment, in, in that moment, when that happens, it was like this. <gasps> there was this gasp when the hand comes out, and when you see him, everybody just oh, like you could just feel this wave of like oh my. And through the whole thing, like when seeing the four of them together, people were cheering, and like I say, like that, the level of intensity and emotion of that, I would put next to like Cap catching Thor's hammer. Oh, absolutely. That like people just whoo like res- like didn't even uh, like it's that that gut response like oh I didn't know that I wanted to see this but yeah. I did and now I and I feel it. What was your experiences uh, like when you saw it in theaters with with a crowd? Do you was there anything? Well, you- I also went into the movie without any expectation of like I I wasn't spoiled on on who was going to show up and I I knew that something was going to show up and honestly I was. I guess now you guys are making me feel like an island. Let me just lower my seat. No, no. I was saying with this. No, everyone no. has their own. I'm going to do it from down here. their own responses to this stuff. I, this is why I wanted to have you guys I feel, on. Because I feel better like, at the, had, on the floor. Different reactions to different things. <laughs> I like say, even after Rob says stuff, I have to watch it again. I did. I did not like the family drama part of it. Like I thought, I thought McKenna Grace it was as Phoebe was fantastic. She is. She is the heart She's, of this movie. Absolutely. I thought podcast was like a little bit. Okay, this is this is an old person trying to write what a kid today is. Okay, and I thought the mom was so one note. I felt I felt so sorry for the actress because I'm like, wow, they gave you one note. I'm angry at my dad, and that's it. Every scene she plays angry at her dad, angry at. I'm like, really? They give you nothing else? Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd. You know what can you do? So so I have my own th- thing. So don't worry, we're we're not all unified in our in our feelings about this. So go ahead. Well, Pete. the 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 last piece I wanted to say is you know in terms of taking nostalgia too far in that in yes. that the sort of experience of that third act, going down the same road of Gozer uh, the Gozerian and the, yes. uh, you know I'm the keymaster and the and uh, I'm the, the you know, I I felt like. I could have used some new narrative there. Like I, I didn't need to do that. I saw it. I saw it in a refrigerator. I saw it on top of the building in New York. I yeah. didn't. I didn't need that again. And they did that again. And it didn't. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's it's a Casablanca moment, right? Like you hate me, don't you? Well, if I gave you any thought, I probably would. <laughs> I I did, like that was that was kind of a low point narratively for me because I yeah. was so into the characters. I kind of let it go. I, I wish they had done a little bit more of the lore that, that yeah. way too. Because if you're going to make this movie, because if you're if you're doing like a group of inexperienced people who get the, these tools, don't know how to use them, go up against terror dogs and then fade off against Gozer. Wow, we've seen that exact movie. Like, 
What yeah. are you doing differently? And and part of it would I think should have been that there this is the second attempt. So like tell me about even Shandor. Tell me about why is what is he what was he doing? What was the plan? Oh, right. Like what like what does he get out of this thing? Maybe even have him in the movie. Oh wait, they did they and they did. cast J.K. Simmons and kill him off in the first minute of his screen time. Oh, it's so why? frustrating. Yeah. No, Why? That was you. that was baffling he's to me. He's a MacGuffin. Like, he's the MacGuffin. He's nothing. He's you don't cast J.K. Simmons as a MacGuffin. You cast J.K. Simmons, give him a lot to do, and then go. You know what? It's third act. Just cut all of that. Yeah, that's all lore. Nobody cares wow. about that. Just cut it. Cut it. Cut it. I I can't believe I'm going to say this. Um, I'm I give it all. I gave it all a pass except for one thing. When when the mom rips the dress off and it's the glittery dress. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, mm, oh. man, that hit—that doesn't hit the way you thought it was going to hit. No, nah, yeah. that's not cool. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> I'm okay with the rest because, well, we get it. It's established. This is how Gozer does it. And yeah, I mean, like, I, th- I thought they actually did a decent job. The, you know, the podcast is going through the book and they understand mm-hmm. that. I'm okay with that. Because it wasn't at the top of a of a thirty story building, like you know what I mean. Like if you would, sure. if you, it, it, they did try to try to make this different, and, and you know, and I think you got this with the you know the dates. You can see that this there had been multiple yeah, attempts. Right. I'm okay with all that. The dress, no, <laughs> that was too far, too far for me. I draw the I line at a glittery dress. I love that comes it. That's out of your line. That Sorry. is very telling. Yeah, my, That's my, very my th- you're right about the dates. The date was a nice touch because my always my questions these things is why now? Right. Right. You know, and so that, and the, and so they actually directly answer that, as opposed to eh, it's uh, because uh, this is when the studio agreed to do it. That's why now uh, they actually had something in the lore that said there's it's a cyclical thing, and this is the next and one. And make and make no mistake when I say this, I'm okay with this for the reset, but if they do another one and it mm-hmm. has Vigo in it, I'm going to be upset. <gasps> really? Yeah, because that now that to me will be you are. You're now you're going way you're retreading way yeah, too much. Now you have no ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, 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 absolutely no. I would agree yeah. with that. Like it has to be something else. Yeah, Please. I agree. The, there's this is a bit of a deep cut, but um, they hired someone to do a a a final Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book that wasn't Douglas Adams, and it was and like and, and no offense to the guy, but all he did was was just just pick three or four things from the, the previous books and then wrote about that, and it was like. Right. Oh, okay. I, I see what you did, but yeah, there's it's a whole universe out there. You can, you can go farther. And, and so, yeah, say, I agree. I hope the next one is something different. And, I, and and you know, and I love I love the Vigo. I love that whole storyline. Just okay. No, no, no. Now you got to do something different. So I, I'm okay with all of this with the passing of the torch. I understand. I mean, look at. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you've watched any of the like hardcore Ghostbuster channels on YouTube, they shredded this movie. Did they really? Like there were people, they shredded it. They thought they thought Egon bringing Egon back was just a capital crime. They huh. thought it was completely. I mean, they totally That's were not interesting happy with that it. it it comes out. It hits us. So I guess are the casual fans like right dead center. It does well at the box office, so it goes after like you know anyone else who saw it. Does it? But. The hardcore ones are the ones who don't like it, and that doesn't seem to be a problem. And I, and I don't, yeah, that's, and I, that's not usually the way that story goes. Well, no, and right. again, because Ghostbusters is different, because I will say Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters is different. Is different. Yeah. And even with all that said, I think that they have got, because McKenna Grace does such an amazing job in this movie, and, and, and a good supporting cast as well, but True. I can see them, you can build an entire two more movies around her. She did such a good job. That character is so compelling to me. 
And and she I need, she needs a Vankman. Well, she needs a Vankman. If she's an Egon, she needs a But Vankman. I love the fact that they can wait a couple of years, or well, which maybe they won't, but like let her grow. Like let her actually grow up and and grow and the role will grow with her. I just I'm very happy. I'm very so, happy. Okay, so so circling back to what you just said though, Pete, you okay, so it the the ending part didn't land for you. Right. So right. like can you can you talk a little bit more about like what it is that like it, was it just just tweaking and fine tuning or no, I think it's because of what we're we're already sort of leaning into it, which is this this idea that um, if, if we're gonna do this thing with mm-hmm. this property that we already know, and we're gonna introduce yes. it to a new generation, why do we have to lean so like forehead first into yes. exactly what was in the original? And I think that yeah. was my challenge, and I. I fully owned that I went into this movie and the other movies that we're going to talk about it uh, yes. shortly, I assume, with yep, yep. A, there's a, fully there's a pivot burdened, coming. fully burdened with expectation, right? But sure. I want to see that movie that Rob's talking about with McKenna Ooh. Grace as, as Egon and Finn Wolfhard as Goofy oh. Mechanic and Paul Rudd as Gruberson, the multi-generational team that they're bringing together oh. to now fight. I want to see that movie yes. and damn it, I wanted to see it this time. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to see Gozer the Gozerian again. I didn't need to see the original Ghostbusters quite as heavily. I wanted a new thing, and they gave me not a new thing. And that is the cancer we have on reheats right now, on these requels that I'm struggling yeah. with. So see, this is why I bring uh, yeah. Pete on because he throws me something like that, which is the perfect pivot point. <laughs> Pace <laughs> yourself. We can talk Pace about Ghostbusters forever, but like yourself. now we're going to swing around and talk about when when nostalgia doesn't quite hit well, the same way. Yeah. Uh, and so, so let's talk about The Matrix. Okay, so we've just, uh, on the heels of a, of a huge, huge uh, Matrix sequel, which was not as reverentially received by, by either hardcore or casual fans. Uh, and so, okay, so let, let, before we do that, let's, let's talk about our feelings about The Matrix. So uh, obviously we were, we were probably, much, we were much older by the time Matrix hit, so it doesn't kind of get you in the same way. But like, what was your feeling about... Um, the Matrix when it first came out. Rob, I'll start with you. Oh, uh, well, back I, in '99. '99. So, uh, and again, if you didn't live it, you know, we're on the cusp of uh, ooh, the millennium's coming. Little tiny bit worried about what what is technology going to do to us because of the Y two K issue that everyone had talked about, right? Yep. So there, there, that was real. I mean, like that was a real thought in people's heads who were in tech. Um, you had this movie come out that was like, oh, groundbreaking graphics. You know, the the whole camera systems they were using and everything else. I go to see it, and I'm blown away. Like I think, as a lot of people were, this is amazing. Um, and just the, the 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 whole idea of what is reality, and 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 go into how conscious how conscious are you in in life? I mean, which you know that, that's what, what spoke to me about it. But I, I think you know this. I was thrilled with the movie as a one and done. Hmm, yeah. I thought it was a complete story. I thought it was incredibly well done. I thought it. It did a great job. It was it, incredible visuals, great characters. Hugo Weaving. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't get that whole the, the way that portrayal out of my head for a long time. I was good. Like that was yeah. it. It it ended when he goes flying off into the sky. Yeah. <laughs> off the building. Like done. I'm done. That was great. Way to go. That was it. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Pete? No, the major hit you. Your men are already dead. I mean, <laughs> I was transformed by that movie, right? Yeah. Like I, I felt like that movie was doing things, and and was 
intentionally inventing ways to make movies that would change the way movies were made, right? It was big and vicious. 99 was a hot year for that kind of stuff because like even just even just Matrix, Fight Club and American Beauty. Yeah. Like, my God. Right. Right. I mean, I could, so, you could go on, but I just, yeah, I'm you, sorry. You really I mean, could. But it was just like that, whatever was, whatever was in the water that year yeah, changed yeah. everything. Yeah. And they happened to get a pitch perfect, like just perfect cast for this mm-hmm. particular story. They, the, the effects, the stunt work, they, they had, you know, magic in a bottle with the first movie. And I am, uh, uh, perhaps I, I'm not a, I don't truck in the hardcore Matrix channels, uh, <laughs> but I actually... I don't love the last two movies as much as I, I loved the first one, but I did not hate them. And when you mm-hmm. look at each one of the movies, they push something forward in a new way. All three yeah. of the movies do something that is extraordinary in the art and spectacle of filmmaking. And I appreciate the entire trilogy for that. And I burned myself by walking into this resurrections with the weight of those expectations and that hurt me i hear so many people are saying i don't know why people don't like resurrections as much i don't understand that perspective oh okay so yeah so uh for for me that that was during sort of my when i was eating eating, sleeping, and breathing movies. So this is like yeah. I, out of college, um, basically, like, uh, I'm living on my own for the first time with uh, with my roommate, who was my best friend at the time. Uh, all we did was movies. Like that was basically, we would go out like every Friday, we'd be like, okay, we're going to see the, we're going to see the seven o'clock show of this. Then we're going to see the nine o'clock show of this. Then on Saturday morning, we're going to see this. I mean, like, Every, every whatever came out, we were going to see it and and talk about it endlessly, you know, over breakfast. And like you know, like like it was everything was about movies at the time. Uh, so you know, like we had just come out of seeing a sneak preview of the Blair Witch the previous you know week when everybody mm-hmm. thought it was real. I mean, mm-hmm. like so, like yeah. we I mean, like it, we were just living that that life. So when this movie comes out and we and nobody knew anything what it was because the whole marketing of the movie was what is the matrix even that was the original right. website is what is the matrix and there's all these cool images but no one told you like you just went in completely blank which is kind of amazing now to like not go and to go in not knowing who the heck these directors are you knew it was Keanu Reeves from a couple of like a couple of different like from speed okay but everybody else was pretty much an unknown to go into this universe and just experience this for the first time. I kind of I feel bad for people who like watch it on their phones now. You know, like the, I took my took my daughter to see it on the big screen because I'm like wanted to get her something close to having that exploration that the, the surprise of not yeah. knowing all this stuff. Even though so much of it has permeated in pop culture, like you can't watch Star Wars A New Hope clean now because it's it's infected everything. And Matrix is the same way. Everything comes after it is about that. So. This is everything. This things have changed now too, and I, I kind of agree with you, Rob. Like I, I feel like at the end of the first movie, it opens up such possibility that like our minds were blown. Like what happens now? And then the sequel came out, and we're like, that's not what should happen yeah. now. <laughs> so you have two sequels that come out, film back to back. Some amazing sequences. Even I, I, I can't remember who it is. Some one of my friends was saying, you cannot, you cannot like Matrix Two, but you cannot argue about how awesome the fight scene on the highway is. Right. Like one of the best action scenes of all time. Like even, even now changes the way people made movies 
since yeah. then, right? That's right. one of those sequences. They learn right. things that have impacted every movie since then that has a big stunt sequence in it. Yeah. I, when I, I remember coming out of like seeing those two and I would ask, so like, oh, so, so what are they like? I was like, well, they're more. So <laughs> everything that was in the Matrix is in yeah. those sequels. It's just more. It's yeah. like more action, but also more philosophy, more really long conversations that you wonder why the heck is this in this movie? I mean, it's just it's, everything is more, more, more. Uh, as I sort of have went back and looked at them now, I I realized sort of seeing what the Wachowskis did afterwards and then having one of the Wachowskis come back to make the you know the this new Matrix movie. I don't know. I, I kind of think they don't understand what we want from a Matrix movie it, in the same way that like there's things that we loved about Star Wars. And then we went and saw the prequels and went, oh, I, I know you're the same guy and I know you came up with all of this, but this isn't what we like. Like, yeah. and I, I don't, I, I know there's a little bit of fan entitlement, which I comes part of this thing because obviously they made this movie again, essentially for people like us who like the matrix is super important to us. We went to the mo this movie because it had the words, the matrix in front of it. Like, uh, but well, because Kyle, I, they, they, they tried made, to they, make they, the, the Wachowskis <laughs> made two sequels that, that, that were bad matrix copies. Yeah, they tried to make their favorite movie that wasn't a Matrix movie, and they did it twice. And once it was Cloud Atlas, and then it was Jupiter Ascending. And then they yeah. realized, we just need to keep putting the Matrix on stuff. Um, <laughs> and I think that's really... But, but what's so fascinating about this is people complain about the... You know, we, we hear all of this, oh, this is an unknown director getting a major, massive property. I mean, these people made Bound before The yeah. Matrix. A right, five to, to show, like, oh yeah, awesome we can make a movie. movie. And go. then they got The Matrix. Like yeah. it was a massive pivot to to go to this to this property, and so yes. I, I I mean they, there's a lot of baggage that that is earned over the course of of their early Matrix work. But do okay, you Rob. think? Okay, so here's here's one thing. This is a theory I have. Right, I think any movie, any story that people want want to tell, there's two things that are either happening, right? And 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 yes, it can be sometimes both, but it's really just two things. One. I want to make you laugh. I want to make you scared. I want to make you cry or I want to make you, you know, I want to make you your heart swell. I want or I want to do a combination of those things or I have something to say. The Matrix <laughs> was I have something to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also the Matrix Resurrections is also about I have something to say. But well, but, go well ahead. but here's here's I don't the wanna, issue. I don't wanna, no, no, no. You're making an excellent point. So I don't want to. No, no, no. That's cool. No. So like the two the two sequels of The Matrix Oh, I want to make you feel like you felt in the first movie. It's not anything more to say, right? I just interesting. I just I want to make you feel like you felt there. That's the problem with them, that, in my opinion. Yeah. The resurrections. Yeah, they got something to say, but and also I want to make you feel like you felt and it and it fall and for me it faltered on all counts. So <laughs> I just and and you know and I have a, and I had a very interesting time watching it, which we will we'll probably talk about like. Yeah, because there because there were just things that sc screamed at me that was like, oh no, I'm out. Like you know, and then I and then I, yeah, I was actually surprised through. you were going to be a part of this part of the conversation because <laughs> when we were texting opening weekend, you watched 20 minutes of it, and that and was you were well, you'll hear the story. Well, there's a <laughs> yeah. story about that anyway, but yeah, the original Matrix is full of tons of interesting ideas about identity, about 
technology, about philosophy, and like what is the self, what is real, what is the soul, all, all these kind of things. In addition, there's a really amazing action in it, like these these crazy anime inspired over the top fight kind of stuff. And then and they make the sequels. They take all that stuff that that makes nature cool, and they just sort of like pull all that stuff back and then push more ideas in. So the the sequels end up becoming more of like a class where it's like, yeah, there's interesting moments, but like mostly we're just going to learn you some stuff. And and, and it's like the, the thing that was awesome about the matrix is they found a reason why people like this was, this was like in not an age of superheroes. Like, you know, we live in an age where, you know, you've got captain Marvel flying through the sky and you've got all these things, but this was a time that blade was really the only viable superhero at the time. Uh, and th- that was it. And so he was just a guy with a sword. Like he wasn't flying around anything. So now that you, you found a way to have people doing incredible over the top, jumping there, flipping that dodging bullets kind of stuff. And you h- gave a reason for why they could do that. And you're like, Oh, great. And so most of the action in the sequels is set in the real world where none of that stuff matters. Well, but but why? Like yeah. you you spend all this time telling us why you could do awesome stuff and and why would you go out of, and yeah. so it's you it, made it, a it, playground then, and then won't let me play in it. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so yeah. and they come to this one. They they they. I always interested in like what so so back to intention. So intention. There's a couple films I think have come out, and, and I'm hoping Pete, you maybe you can you can either disagree with me or you can have find other examples where it feels like the filmmaker is punishing the audience for wanting the movie that they just paid to see. The the oh, one that comes wow. to mind is Prometheus. Like Prometheus, it seems like oh, like you won't let me do all this other stuff. Well, fine. Here's your alien movie. Like I don't want to do this, but apparently this is what gets money. So here, turn like uh, alien, space Jesus alien water. The, 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 there you go. <laughs> alien, there, and run from the space donut. I mean, like uh, uh, the, uh, the turn. This is the whole thing about that. But yeah, there's a couple movies out. There I feel that that they. They didn't want to do it, but they got the money for it, and they're gonna they're gonna make sure that they know. <laughs> well, here's an they, interesting they want us thing to about know. that. I, they didn't I want think, to do this, yeah, and, like, and, and, I, and, and screw you for wanting this. But here it is. I don't know. I, I don't want to ascribe malicious intent on the part of Ridley Scott and and I team. Do. I certainly, <laughs> <laughs> I certainly wouldn't go down that path myself. But but this, I, I get your point because this movie, uh, it, you know. Uh, the revolution, resurrection, resurrections, resurrections. Has to be an R, right? I feel that in that yes. opening act, that mind bendy, not just a nod and a wink to the sequel, but a, yeah. a nod and a wink and a punch in the groin kind yes. of heavy handedness that, um, that I just, I feel like they, that like it, it was made in an attempt to be such a heavy personal personal message to the studio to the yes. the fans to the you know it, that that this is you know this isn't the movie you want but it's the movie you deserve that's yes. what, that's the kind of snub that i felt like like i was getting out of this movie and yeah. and i i didn't love it not to mention the fact that it was a convoluted mess 
Yes. Right. Let's just as an when you take Ghostbusters and you look at the mm-hmm. art and craft of of filmmaking, and then you go to this and see a rehash of the skills that we learned in the last three movies, and we don't really have any great new story beats, and we haven't really taught Neo anything new. Um, no. There are no big level ups that we get out of this movie that we got in the first one. We're just going to do the same thing, but we're going to put different people in those roles, and we're going to have them just kind of talk alike, but where. Uh, different suits and don't worry you'll get it don't worry you'll get it by the end you'll get it i didn't i I, maybe i got it but i certainly didn't care (laughs) go ahead rob uh here i'm gonna tell the story i turn it on i wasn't excited about this because again the first movie is enough for me right i start watching it and immediately i'm like i mean immediately i'm like oh well this is west craven's new nightmare they have a game, so now the movie is exists. Oh God, I wish game. it had been. No, you know what I mean. Like immediately, and that's. No, I, and that's, I, 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 I wish right. there had been more of Wes Craven's Nightmare yeah. in this. But 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 I also was like, oh wow, that's really that's where we're going with this. And then when he, I don't know, it's within the first fifteen minutes, he gets the flash of himself, and he's the old man, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, mm, all right. When we're, when he shows up in the bathroom, and and when and it's not Lawrence Fishburne, I'm like, okay, I don't I don't understand that because you're you're messing with me. And I and I understand that there may be practical reasons why that is, but then don't make the movie, right? Like I'm like I'm literally this is literally what's going on in my head. Like I, you know <laughs> yeah. what? No, and I don't like this Morpheus. I'm whatever. And then this is what happened. Okay, yeah, I I had a I had a moment of super wokeness or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they get on the train in Japan, and I'm this is the absolute truth. I see everyone on the train wearing masks, and it wasn't that I was like oh. It's an Asian. Co- I understand that, right? But he, well, but, but, but you didn't until I pointed had, it out. No, okay. no, no, I did. No, 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 no. But 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 here's but here's why I got sucked in was because they're all having masks that we're all wearing. Like it's it's mm-hmm. everyone's different, and there's some cloth ones and 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 customized ones, everything else. And I literally sat there and went, "You're telling me the pandemic is part of the part of the matrix? Out off." And I and that's when I texted you and said, "I'm out." Mm-hmm. I'm out. It was the, you didn't it have was to the do that. That did it. The masks that did it. it <laughs> uh, and, and yes, because I, I find, literally said I find the be- list long and distinguished of things that would have made oh, me turn no. off this yeah. movie. Yeah. It, and after the that metatextual conversation <laughs> of like what the what the Matrix is about in yeah. the Matrix. I just want to like, say this. Oh no, it's a metaphor. Because, it's about because, no, commercialism. Because, and, and here's the thing: is because you know what you didn't. That was so visceral to me, living in this time, watching mm. this movie. That I went, no, you know what? I was on the edge, and that's what Nick, that's what absolutely knocked me off the edge. Nah, I don't care about this movie hmm. now. I don't care what happens. He was dead. Dude, I don't give a shit, right? Like, see, okay, here's the thing. And then you guys are all like, no, you need to watch it. I'm like, okay, fine. I watch it. And 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 I and I still think I, I okay. I mean, no, I got nothing from it. I this 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 movie is constantly every day being expunged from my nether regions of the, of the long term memory of my brain, right? But I will say I <laughs> sure enjoyed. Don't need the to hear t- more about your nether regions. Well, uh, the, the dark recesses. That's I meant fine. to say. I don't want to say nether to, regions. I, I don't need dark to be a recesses. part of that conversation. I mean, either place is dark, dark, a little moist. So um, <laughs> so here's the deal. I I, I enjoyed. The conversation he has with it's Niobe, Jada Pinkett Smith's character, mm-hmm. where it actually explained it actually explained what happened because I'm like, True. how do you beat this? Just turn all the machines off. Like, I mean, like, come on, right? When they had that conversation, I went, oh, I like this. I really thought the effects of the action sequence where it was kind of like the Fast and the Furious, where 
people in Fast and the Furious were where they started throwing self-driving cars out to like knock people down. <laughs> yeah. And here yeah. it was like, no, we'll just take people over and throw them out. Yeah. That was that's a that was it, I mean, it got you. Like you were watching totally that going. Different. It was like an uncommitted beat. It was like yeah. you were this is the coolest set piece in the entire movie, and mm-hmm. you're just like whiffing it at us. Like it was just so fast and like there was no there was no weight to what was actually no, happening. No, I know, to but, me. but I that was that. also a false note to me because the whole point of the Matrix at the beginning was secrecy. Yeah. Like the whole re- they dress as government agents. They don't dress as robots. Now I now like, I, I like it less. Well, well, because they're trying to keep it a secret. But like once you start, you know, suiciding hundreds of people and to do that, well, then then you don't have to follow those rules. Anymore. Oh, yeah. Now it's all, you it's can over. just have yeah. literally just, you know, have a thousand tanks appear and just blow that. You could you could nuke the city like if there's no secrecy, then what is the point of doing any of the 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 agenty things of hopping from person to person and everything like you're not trying to keep the secret anymore so <laughs> you're, yeah, you're right why are you're we even right? bothering I mean, with it no. this is this is, it goes back to inception you have to dream a little bigger darling yes there's nothing yeah yes. I, I i just there's nothing for the rest of this there's not neil patrick harris was i did not care for that i i this movie's a big nothing to me it's a I, I, th- I want to go back, though, to this this central question that I have been mulling around, which is what is it okay. that would have grabbed my heart? Because Ghostbusters right. yeah. grabbed my heart. And when you talk about weaponizing nostalgia, yes. right, I you can do that for good or ill. And I think Ghostbusters yes. did it for good. And this one did it for ill. This one entrapped me in my nostalgia for the property and did not live up to the title. And I find that very frustrating. So what is it, it you know, and I'm, I'm not armchair rewriting the movie at all. I'm just I, I, wondering, where did, it, where did it lose me? Like, what could yeah. they have done to somehow bring it back? I don't think, I think the story is, is for me, is flawed. I didn't need Neo back. I think they just, <laughs> like, he was really dead. He was yeah. super dead. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, I think all of that was just it, it made it feel less like an authentic Matrix ex- it, it Matrix experience. You know, when you when you call something a money grab, mm-hmm. this is kind of the dictionary definition of it for me. This character was super dead and now yeah. it's not. And we're going to try and make you believe that that's authentic. And I did not. There, there's a I, well, I, when I when I first saw this and I, I saw it before uh, either of you guys. And so like you asked me for my like my like my little thing. And my thing was I compared it, it, it to Ghost of Afterlife because I feel like it doesn't become the movie it's supposed to be until the last 20 minutes. And I think the last 20 minutes works. Because despite all of this, the, all the everything that we said, I, I do not disagree with anything you guys have said all the way. I think I think the the Trinity Neo love story at the end works, and it got to me. And I and I saw it in the theater with a bunch of people, and they had that not not quite the Ghostbuster reaction, and it was also a smaller crowd. But because like they didn't do the midnight show because it was on a Wednesday, so it was like a Wednesday one o'clock show. So <laughs> right. even though it was on a holiday, so there's still more people. But. When they when they got together and like and like and Trinity says my name is Trinity and stuff too yeah the people like really cheered and and loved it so I feel like the relationship thing that really works but trying to convince me that you told a good love story in the first three Matrix movies yeah I'm not buying it because you right. didn't you didn't care about Trinity at all yeah right 
And let me just say, if we've learned any lessons from this movie in particular, it's that one does not cast Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris in the same movie and not let them work together. <laughs> well, I agree with that. And, I'll, and also, how about just giving them a new character? Like, why yeah. is he Smith? Why is he Smith? Like, of all like the, the Matrix... Any, anything That's, in the terms yeah. of the Matrix leadership code, there's no way they would put Smith back in there when he almost destroyed the entire thing. Like, yes, let's let's clearly let's give the guy who almost <laughs> wiped yeah. out the entire mainframe. Yeah, let's put him back in a position of authority. Yeah. No! I didn't need the... Uh, so all of that is like, I feel like the, the nostalgia took advantage of me. <laughs> In the Matrix, where <laughs> where I didn't feel that with it, but but I do want to throw in it just as an aside as we sure. keep going. Like I I was under the impression that we had homework and that was to go see Scream twenty twenty two, and that I'm the only one who did my homework. And so you have to at least indulge me for a moment. Oh, no, go because ahead. please, that movie exists. I think between these two, okay. And I think what it what it does uh, exceptionally mm, predictably is that it's a Scream movie. Right. It mm-hmm. is a screen movie. It is an homage to every screen movie that's come since. It's like it is the next thing. They In the way that Scream was an homage to, to all the, all the, the other, slasher movies exactly, that had come before. The slasher movies that come before it. Right. Uh, it has created this sort of, you know, the Scream cinematic universe, whatever you sure. want to say. Like, you know what you're going to get. There are rules. There's going to be a monologue about the rules. Yeah. In this movie, uh, one of our principal characters who is fantastic, whose name is uh, 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 Jasmine Savoy Brown, plays Mindy Meeks Martin in this movie. And she is, she does a monologue to the rest of the cast that lays out exactly what we're talking about here. The perils of the requel and talks mm. about, you know, what you can, what are the dangers of the requel and how do you cast? Who do you expect? Who's the killer? Who's the victim? Right. And that meta play is really fun. They do bring back our three central characters, right? They bring Mm -hmm. back Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox and David Arquette, and they don't overdo it. It feels like a very natural embrace of the storyline so far. At the same time, the movie's about the new cast. I love the new cast. They're great. They're great young actors. They do a fantastic job. We've got uh, Jack Quaid is in it, and and uh, uh, Jenna Ortega, uh, the the opening gambit on of screen movies is that you have the first kill. They don't kill her. She she ends up living and being maimed. <laughs> it's, it, that's a twist in the screen movie. So I would say that Scream has taken my nostalgia for the original Scream movie and uh, uh, you know horror movies writ large, stabber slasher movies writ large. And they have done the wink and a nod thing to me as an audience mm-hmm. member in a way that is super satisfying. And I had a blast at this movie. Okay. An absolute so you didn't blast. you didn't feel the cynicism. You didn't feel like the like no. another scream movie? I didn't I, mean, I, I, fact, I think I saw Scream Three. I haven't seen Scream Four. And I was like, okay, this is yeah. done. You don't need to. You don't need to. In fact, yeah. I think you could see Scream One and then oh, Scream really? Five. Yeah, because I because I had I had uh, I haven't I hadn't heard any spoilers stuff too because obviously part of the the thing of a screen movie is the, is the is the reveal is the twist it's yes. like you don't want to know going in yep. um so I all I ask is don't <laughs> don't tell us exactly what that was um, no and I'm not but, and that's why that that as far as I'm gonna say is what you learn in the first five minutes of the screen movie is she lives and that becomes an interesting part of the plot yeah but the rest of it is 
absolutely, it is, this is the, uh, this could be the spiritual sequel directly to Scream 1. You don't need to see the rest hmm. of the movies. And I think, I think it locks. Think so it would locks. you, would you like compare it to like the Halloween to Halloween thing? Um, well, I, I like these movies. Uh, oh. I think it's better. <laughs> so... I don't know. Well, don't know in the way that the, 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 the poorly like named him. Halloween yeah. from a couple of years ago was yes. a direct sequel to the original yeah. Halloween. Yeah, I would I, I think ignore everything couple, else in between. There are a couple of characters that do have interplay, more interplay from the second Scream movie. Okay. Um, but those are side characters in this one. And you, you know, most of it is just like, hey, this happened and a lot has happened in the last 25 years. And now there's this other thing that's happening again. And we we acknowledge all of the, the wink and a nod stuff, but we're going to make this movie and we're going to make you second guess every corner. It's I would liken it to, you know, you get these movies where they, you know that somebody's going to open a closet door and they're going to mm-hmm. look ruffle, rifle around in the, in the closet and then they're going to close the door and there's going to be somebody behind that door and it's going to sure. be a malevolent figure. And then in the sequel... They're going to open the closet door, and then they're going to close it, and nobody's there. Then they're going to open the refrigerator door, and then they're going to close yeah. it. And then there's a malevolent figure behind the because yeah. it's a sequel. Yeah. This movie is is like the joke that is told so much that it's annoying, and then it finally comes back around to being funny again, uh, right? It's, they, it's, what, it's, it's the ninth rake? Isn't it is, the yes. Simpsons thing when they... Yes, <laughs> it's the ninth rake. That's exactly what it is, and it works. It locks for me, and we got jumps, and we it is more brutal than any of the other Scream movies. There are some, some in, excruciating kills in the movie that I think are, are visceral and... Fantastic. I think um, uh, Matt Batnelli Olpen and Tyler uh, Gillett uh, are the directors behind this one, and I think they did a fantastic job. So I think it fits into this conversation because it, it, it also exists. It's been a long time since the last Scream movie, mm-hmm. and certainly since the last Scream movie that tried to have a meta message that was bigger than itself. And I think this one really works. I guess, I guess so we've, we've seen um, remakes, like there is a, there was that whole period, I guess, I mid mean, two thousand. Yes. I, I think Total Recall kind of thing, where they're like, "We're going to take the same movie, we're just going to like remix it a little bit, throw it, and we're going to serve it at you again, uh, and then we're going to throw in an homage to the movie you liked. Uh, we're going to put a line or whatever, and then there you go. That's it's a new movie, but it's also you get best of both worlds. And I think most of those are are terrible and do not work on their own or as any kind of sequel thing. And so we've seen that, and then we've seen. The the sort of the the straight up sequel where they try and do a little bit of it, and then and now we have this is sort of like the third wave of um, sent, serving our culture back to us. So like, is there a fourth wave coming, or is like is this it? Are we just gonna like rotate between these these three things over and over again? Like you know like the, the I guess the mid one I guess that I didn't it would be like where they have it, but it turns out that wink nudge it was actually in the same universe, like the mod squad or whatever, where it's like right. you think it's you think it's version an A, but it's actually a B because one character shows up and goes. <laughs> or yeah. like the Charlie's Angels that they just recently did, right? Where like they had the television series and then they made a movie of it, two movies, and then they did another one. And then you think it's on its own, and then oh, there are homage, so it could it's in the same, huh? Having your cake and eating it too. And then yeah. we have this one where it's it's about how much we love that movie, so we're going to make that movie again. I would say Jurassic World is that movie. Like you sure. love Jurassic Park, now here's Jurassic Park again. We're just going to change some of the stuff around, and then you have Jurassic World. I'm going to tell so you. I guess, I guess where are we going 
and, and here's part. the answer. No one knows because everything's different. Like there are no rules applied to this. And I think you can see that not only the ones we discussed, but here we're going to discuss it. We'll, I'll throw in something else. Sure. Imagine a character that we all adored when we were children or, or you know, b- teens from a franchise that we all adore. And we adored that explorer. character. And we, and we adored and we adored everything <laughs> about that character, even though we knew nothing about that character. Oh. <laughs> and then now they make an entire TV show about that character. And most people are like, yeah, that's not the that's not the way I thought he was. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, the last episode at the time of recording of that show that had that character not in it, that's the best episode of the season of that show. I'm talking about the book of Boba Fett. Doesn't appear. Right? What do you, I mean, on paper, yeah, that should have been amazing. Uh, there's a a, a a tweet I saw, and I and I, it, I wish I knew who it was that said it, so I'm, I'm, I'm giving, giving credit, even though I'm not doing a very good job of it, that said, um, uh, fans upset that uh, that character not living up to the tattoo on their left arm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a character that said three lines. We knew yes. nothing about he had a punk death. And, yeah, and yeah. we all just, in our well, imagination, uh, Epic Rap Battles History, I believe, said uh, you had five lines in the trilogy, and one of them was, ah! I mean, <laughs> because Han hit him hit him in the back, yeah. and, his, and, his, and apparently there's an yeah. on switch on his rocket pack. Like, <laughs> what? Listen, yeah. let me just say, none of this none of this makes sense because it's, it is different. Everything is different. And you know what? I hate to say this. Yes, there's talent. Yes, there's a good story to be told. Yes, you can decide what story you want to tell. There's a little bit of luck involved too. Oh, yeah. absolutely, because we, we saw like if you talk about Mandalorian versus versus Boba Fett, and I know getting into any Star Wars thing, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and keep the lid on this on this can of work. Right. Um, but the Mandalorian itself is a new character with in a new situation. But every episode is like nostalgia porn because they're just like, oh, remember this? Remember this? Right. Like, what about this character? What about the, you know, like all these little things? I mean, like there's the 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 meme that goes around of uh, um, a picture of kids playing with a bunch of Star Wars toys from the '80s, and it says, "This is uh, you know Favreau and and Filoni writing Mandalorian," and it's like them playing the kids playing with the toys. And and I will say this in terms of the waves. When you say like, how many waves are there left of this? We're, all of us who are uh, in our late 40s or early 50s, guess what? Uh, barring uh, any other things that happened in the world, we still all got about 20 to 30 years left. <laughs> we're, well, like, I mean, honestly, is that's make, how much is longer. Is going to make a, another Jurassic Park movie that's that's a, a, a remake of Jurassic World? Like, are we, like how, fa- how far will, will the snake Jurassic eat its own tail? solar system. <laughs> as long as we've Space got... bearing dinosaurs. As long as there's IP to be exploited, as as long as there's money in our pockets to spend on it, that's what. (laughs) I mean, like you know, I mean, obviously Disney is is doing a ton of this, just like taking the you know making animated into live action and then calling it new. But you know, as long as they find a way to grab my heart, I will continue to pay for it. Scream grabbed my heart, right? Totally, Uh, totally. uh, Matrix did not. This one, so I I think that's really the issue. There is a sensitivity to just straight up filmmaking that uh, that allows me. To let go and of that cynicism, that that cynicism, and just see a movie yeah. for the joy of filmmaking, and I do enjoy going back to the well uh, occasionally for mm-hmm. these things. You know, I, I'm with Rob. I was one and done with the Matrix, but I don't hate that the other two exist. Right. Note, I you know, I I'm not crazy that the fourth one exists, but <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think we needed that one. 
but uh, but I hope I hope somebody gets their heart taken away by that movie. It's just not m- mine. You can't hit if you don't swing. Right. There's going to be there's going to be more good ones and there's going to be more things that don't hit the mark. You got to still try. And that's where we bring our conversation to a close. I'd like to thank Pete Wright and Rob Cabasco for coming on to the show and batting these ideas around with me. Made me feel a little better to know that they were thinking along some of the same lines as I was. And thank you for indulging my curiosity. Go do something nice for yourself. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the next chapter in the Curiosity Codex, but there are still many pages left to decipher. We're part of the True Story FM family of podcasts. Find out more about us at truestory.fm. Our theme music is Intrusion by Severed Personality, a.k.a. Kevin McLeod. The voice of the Codex is Vicki Hall. Find her on the web at vickihall.squarespace.com. And my name is Kyle Olson. The Codex is closed for now.